Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgate Show. I'm your host, T-Bob Bear, and uh, what an exciting day it is here in Baton Rouge. A beautiful day on the LSU campuses. The weather could not be more perfect, although the many, you know, from other areas of this uh, country, they may think that this is hot. I think it feels incredible. Fall is here. This is football weather, and I think it's quite appropriate considering uh, what a big football day this is for the LSU Tigers. Obviously, today marks the beginning of a new era. After uh, 12 years of Les Miles being the head coach and leader of this team, uh, he is no longer in that role. And, and, and when you think about that, uh, if there's one thing that all coaches hate on any level, no matter what, it is distraction. And, and so one of the big tasks for Coach O as he leads this team onto the field today, can he minimize distractions? Can he keep this team focused when they just went through such a mon- uh, monumental change? I mean, over a dozen years at the helm for Coach Miles in this Saturday the Mad Hatter will not lead LSU onto that field. You think about uh, some when he used to kind of try to hold the team back and then jog when he passed up. It's like all oh, those old mild mannerisms, they are a thing of the past. And like we said, a new era begins with, well, a true Louisianan at its heart. When you look at Ed Ogeron, a Cajun to his very DNA, Cajun to his core, and now leading the only Power 5 school in the state of Louisiana onto the field today. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued by today's game. There's so many questions, right? There's questions everywhere surrounding this game. How will the team respond? What is the offense going to be like? Can they continue to win? Can this, will this team bounce back? Will they improve? Will they get worse? So many questions as we head in to this time of uncertainty. And, and that's what's interesting about change, I think, is the mixed emotion that it, uh, that it evokes in you, right? Needless to say, there is anxiety. Uh, You see what happened to other programs that move on from their legendary coaches, whether it be a Texas and Mac Brown, Tennessee and Philip Fulmer. But when these changes take place, it's not always for the better. In fact, it can mark the beginning of dark times for that particular school. So you have the anxiety as you head into the unknown. But at the same time, change brings excitement. It brings novelty. It brings a freshness to the situation that LSU just has not had. And when you talk to people around that building, when you, I think even watching Coach Miles' segment on ESPN College Game Day today, you could see a bit of, I mean, even just a bit of weariness kind of lifted off of his shoulders. And and the idea of when they asked him, what are you going to be doing this Saturday? That was one of those moments where when you're watching it, you really sink in that, wow, Les Miles, not going to be there. Coach O in his place. And there's so much on the line for Ed Ogeron in this situation. Because of his look, head coaching's an interesting job. If you mess up that first opportunity badly enough, you may never get a second chance. And you, when you look at Coach O's track record, he got the job at Ole Miss. That was his big break, and, well, it did not go well. In fact, it went very poorly. 
So he, they, they, you know, there was an idea that maybe he would never get another shot at head coach. He was just a D-line coach. He was just a great recruiter, you know, an incredible D-line coach. His resume speaks for himself, but he was not head coach material, or at least that was the narrative as he headed to USC when Lane Kiffin managed to woo him away from LSU. We all know the story, though. Lane Kiffin fired, left at the airport, a USC team in shambles, and Ed Ogeron steps in, provides leadership, and manages to rally the squad. The Trojans end up going 6-2 and two that season. I want to say they beat a couple of top five teams along the way, and there was, well, at least in Coach O's mind, a good chance that he would get that job for the long term. That unfortunately did not work out. The SC alumni, the SCAD, wanted to go with their guy. But it was a sexier name, Steve Sarkeesian, coming out of Washington. And yet now, USC looks like they're about to run through yet another coach in Clay Helton. So they look like they regret that decision. And that's what Coach Joe has going for him now. He's been given a second chance, another shot at potentially gaining a head job. And if you go 6-2 and two here in this state, with how beloved he is, with the connections that he has. When you look at uh, when you look at what he did at USC and how that school has been since he left, if you go 6-2 and two here, you will have a very good chance of accomplishing that goal. Now, the interesting challenge presented to Coach O, I think it lies in the offense. The offense has been the talk of this Tiger team throughout the year, the lack of production from the offense. Can Coach O get more productivity that's going to be the big question on everybody's mind and what's interesting is he says in the long term he would want to overhaul this offense he would want to uh, update it evolve it get a new offensive coordinator here really work it out well he has the unique challenge of winning in the short term with an offense he doesn't desire in order to gain that long-term opportunity to make the wholesale changes that he would ultimately want can he do it like we said so many questions as we head into the great unknown. However, the answers will begin to reveal themselves tonight. And that's why I'm excited for the atmosphere here in Tiger Stadium. My beautiful weather couldn't be more perfect. The families are out. The tailgates are out. A true Saturday night in Death Valley. And yet this time a Cajun leading the Bayou Bengals onto the field. It is truly spectacular. So on this Gulf Coast Bank Trust Tiger Tailgate show, we got a lot planned for you. We'll go around the boot or the, the boot report where we give you all the uh all the games going on in, with all of your favorite louisiana schools we also got our uh, around the sec with steve geller we'll be bringing you scoreboard updates we'll talk to multiple tiger beat writers we'll also uh get the mizzou side of the equation as this is a mizzou team that statistically looks a bit better than they get credit for so if you want to get involved on today's show Go ahead and text 87870. You can also call 504-260-1870. What do you think about Coach O leading this team into the great unknown? Can he get it done? Is he the man for the job? Do the Tigers look elsewhere? Discuss all this and more. So come hang out. Myself, the big chief, Deke Bellavia, will be on here all the way up until 430. We hand it off to the official LSU pregame show. All right, coming up next here on the Gulf Coast Bank Trust Tiger Tailgate Show, can, how will LSU look to be effective tonight? And if you can't fully change the offense, how do you get productivity productivity immediately? See Bob Bear here on WWLAMFM.com. And welcome back to Tiger Tailgate Saturday here on a beautiful Saturday, the first cool snap of the football season, T-Bob. And uh, yeah. tonight when the sun goes down, it will be football weather in Tiger yes. Stadium. Yeah, I mean, it's like we, we – it, Talked about it a bit at the beginning. It's uh, it's 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 so narratively appropriate, right? That uh, uh, today kind of marks this new era 
of LSU football, and yep. it is uh, the most football-friendly weather that we have seen in this state thus far. The first day where it truly feels like fall, and mm-hmm. look, after dealing with the Louisiana heat all summer, that first hint of fall, it feels quite refreshing. Well, when you look at the situation the Tigers are going through today, it also, in a way, feels quite refreshing with yeah. a new man at the helm. Last time we had something like this was the end of the Jerry Donato era when Hal Hunter coached one game and is uh, perfect. Has uh, the all-time best winning percentage in Tiger football here. She's 1-0. 1,000% <laughs> there. Wait, so wait. Hal wait. Hunter. So he was did, offensive did line got fired coach. before the last game? Uh, I had Mike, Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com. Mike, was he fired or did he coach? I think, yeah, I think he was let go. And then, and then Hal Hunter coached that last game when uh, LSU won. And then uh, that was it. And then, of course, then that began the, uh, the search. And Nick Saban took the job. Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com, joined us now. Mike, you know, when you think about it, there's a feel today, I think, among Tiger fans of excitement. And I think there's a, a feel of optimism. And I don't know if we had that feel, especially after last week's game against Auburn. But it's the first time in a while that that people don't have that, like, oh, here we go again, or we're going to have the same old same today. No, and, and look, there's not a whole lot you can do offensively in the span of a week. But I, I, I just think that most people believe that this team's going to come out and play inspired and be loose. Um, I know Coach Ensminger has probably had some disagreements with Cam Cameron uh, many times over the last several years. Um, so I, I think you'll see some new wrinkles today. Um, and, I mean, look, the, 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 there's no reason that this LSU football team uh, wouldn't come out and play with some passion and um, not feel as tight as maybe they would have been if, if Les Miles was still the coach. And I, and I do think LSU fans kind of do have a, a weight lifted off of them, particularly those who felt a change should have happened last November. Um, and then just waiting for the other shoe to drop this season, or if it would drop, and it has dropped, and and now they can look forward to the future. And and, and look, uh, we've uh, you know we've got statistics uh, website-wise that show us the the passion of the fan base, whether it's message board posts, uh, the numbers, the numbers of, of you know clicks on uh, Les Miles videos at press conference, and how those have dwindled over the years. Um, I mean, heck, we, we couldn't post a, a, a single Facebook entry uh, that had less miles in the title or uh, had his photo yeah. without, you know, if you had 50 comments, 48 of them were snarky. Yeah, um, right. yeah. And it's been like that for years. Mike Scarborough, TigerBay.com is our special guest. LSU and Missouri, 635 kickoff tonight here on WWL Radio. Mike, now when you look at it, uh, as far as uh, recruits, where do they stand? What did LSU have prior to last week? And uh, is everybody still lock, stock, and barrel what they had committed for 2017? Yeah, it's still uh, in, 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 in limbo. Uh, no defections, no decommitments. Um, you know, but there will be some. It's just it's, it's going to happen. What the over and under on that number might be, whether it's two or three, um, you know, you have a, a, a strong chance of keeping everybody in state. It's the out-of-state kids that you, that you worry about. Um, and But because LSU made the move so soon, and if everything goes textbook the way you would hope to draw it up if you're Joe Levin and, and those, uh, you know, in the decision-making process, you get a coach in here at the end of November, first week of December, and that gives you a plenty of time to work the guys who are midterm graduates, your JUCO guys, 
um, uh, to get them introduced to who their new position coaches would be, uh, talk about what uh, the plans are for the future, and get those guys back solidified. Um, and then you've got until, of course, the first Wednesday in February with the guys who will graduate uh, in, in the spring. So, um, and then there'll be some new names that'll come on board. While there's, you're, you're, while you're worried about Caleb on Chason from Houston North Shore and Marvin Wilson from Houston Episcopal and running back Cam Makers from Mississippi and all the guys who are uncommitted on the board, Dylan Moses, et cetera, um, whoever the new coach will be, will will we'll come with uh, some marquee names that weren't on LSU's recruiting board to fill in some some positions of need. So. Um, this class won't be like 2005 uh, when, you know, Les Miles was hired uh, uh, the day of the Capital One Bowl uh, and up against it, and that class was basically lost um, because, you know, Saban let it be known on Christmas Day he was heading to the Dolphins. You, yeah. you, won't, you, won't, you'll, you'll, you won't lose an entire month of recruiting. Yeah, you're getting you're getting out a bit ahead of this one, uh, Mike. When you look at this LSU offense, uh, so you obviously can't change the plays. What you can change is how you implement those plays, when you use them, how you use them, situations you use them in, and uh, something that I've heard kind of flirted with, and I don't know if you've uh, heard anything about this. Like, will Brandon Harris have a role on this offense? I still think that Danny Etling is the guy going forward, obviously. But do they have any sort of plans for Harris, maybe to use in uh, specific situations? You know, I've heard some people uh, say that, or it's been speculated. And we're not going to know until tonight, but it wouldn't surprise me. I'm not going to say, oh, she's going to go to a two-quarterback system. Um, I don't know how much ends me or like that when he was a quarterback at LSU. Yeah, yeah, Um, that's true. But, you know, uh, it – I, I think that there will be some things that uh, Brandon Harris could be utilized for. I don't. Um, we, I think we're going to wait and see. Could could they do some? Uh, uh, you know, have some very uh, design runs for him uh, under center. Mike, let everybody know what's up on the site and what folks are talking about right now. Yeah, go to TigerBait.com. We we probably blown out about forty or fifty content items uh, this past week. Our message boards have been flying, and. Uh, and, of course, we'll do our live game uh, chat, uh, you know, during the game, which is always uh, uh, one of our, our favorite uh, times of the week. So check us out at TigerBait.com. And we've got a fully loaded notebook on the front page right now. Mike, LSU, Missouri, what's your take? What's your prediction? Um, you know, I, I think uh, Missouri's uh, a, a much better football team than people think. Um, I, I just think LSU's going to play inspired football, and, and, and I, I'm going to go – uh, LSU 28, uh, Missouri 17. Mike Scarborough, TigerBait.com. Mike, thank you so much. All right. Talk soon. All right. WWL News Time is 1.31. Time for first news. We'll go to Donnie. Once they get into the program that we're going to run, the practices and start concentrating on Missouri, I think it's all going to go away. Kids are resilient. They'll bounce back. They want to win. And welcome back. Count you down to LSU and Missouri this evening, a battle of the Tigers. Second straight week, LSU has faced some Tigers, losing last week at Auburn. And, of course, all the drama at the end of last week into Sunday. And now Coach Ed Orgeron today taking on another new coach and Coach Barry Odom and Missouri Tigers. And quietly, Missouri comes in here to you, Bob. Almost, I guess you'd say, I would put them maybe in the category, kind of like the University of Miami going into that game today. Uh, three, uh, their wins, a lot of points, a lot of yards, but people came, and even Miami themselves said, well, who have we beaten? And they didn't yeah. really beat anybody, and they jumped out to a big lead and lead Georgia Tech 28-14. to But Missouri has put up some big numbers. Uh, I guess you'd say 
the most we know about them is they played down to the wire against a Georgia team that we don't really know that much about. So we don't really know anything well, about Missouri <laughs> as far as if they've been tested or not there. Yeah, you try to use the transit, like transitive properties, right, where, okay, so Missouri lost to Georgia by one and Ole Miss dominated Georgia. Therefore, Missouri's okay but not very good. Like, they're a middle-of-the-road SEC team potentially. Look, I, I, I do know this, Deke. I'm right there with you. Don't they have a 79 nothing uh, or 79 nothing yeah. win yeah, I think it was in the mix? Which I, Delaware and State. that makes them a bit statistically hard to judge, hard right. to gauge. Because they're, they're inflated numbers. They're, they're, their numbers are inflated due to a couple of those games. Uh, I will say this, though. I don't think they're as bad as maybe many thought they were going to be no. uh, this season in the post. Is this the first year post uh, yeah, Gary post Pinkle? Pinkle? Uh-huh. So in the first year of the post-Pinkle era, I think their expectations were pretty low. They've been pleasantly surprising thus far. I still have to believe, though, uh, that LSU on the whole is a more talented team than that of Missouri. They will have more players playing on Sunday, and they're at home. They have the freshness and the excitement of a new coach. They're going to have the crowd behind them once again. Like There's a lot of advantages going to LSU's favor, Deke, and that's when I mean, you saw uh, LSU's favored by 13. Yeah. Which, if you look, like, objectively speaking, why would they be favored by 13? Yeah, they haven't done anything to make you think they could cover exactly. that 13. So what it is, or at least what that tells me, is that Vegas likes a lot of what LSU has going in their favor. All the things we just mentioned. I also think that there's a bit of a trend, although I don't have exact numbers, where uh, the first game in, you know, these interim uh, situations – a lot of times, for whatever reason, the team rallies and they come out strong that first game, even if they maybe fade in the end. So uh, I think LSU has a lot going for them, but Missouri is not going to roll over. And I feel a bit worried talking this uh, confidently just because, you know, you've been burned twice before saying a lot of these same things. That's T-Bob Aber on Deke Bellabia looking around now. This week, Tennessee, the Volunteers had their best half of football maybe in a decade in the second half against Georgia rallying, uh, Florida rallying last week to win 38-28 to over the Florida Gators, a team they had not beaten in over a decade. Now they are on the road. This is the toughest part of the stretch for Tennessee. Florida, then you have today at Georgia, then coming up you have games facing A&M and Alabama down the stretch. Some other Eastern games down the road, but Anthony Dasher of UGA Sports joined just now, Anthony, a lot of people want to know exactly what type of team and how good Georgia is. Uh, beat Missouri on the road, and that's LSU's opponent today from the East. East really considered, I guess, kind of much weaker than the West, especially the top part. But Georgia, uh, one would think if they're going to play better, it's going to be this week after an embarrassing loss on the road at Ole Miss. Well, they're going to have to play better, you know. And, and like you said, I man, Georgia was embarrassed, uh, you know, big time in Oxford last week. And, and has really a lot of Georgia fans really kind of questioning how the team is going for the rest of the year. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where a victory today for UGA can put them right back to the driver's seat for the SEC East. But Georgia's going to do a lot of things better than they did last week, starting with just being able to tackle. I mean, that's something they had a major issue with last week against the Rebels. Chad Kelly, they couldn't get him down to the ground and couldn't defend him through the air. Uh, it's, uh, it's a situation where Georgia has to kind of try to find a way to do a lot, a lot of things. They think a lot better than what they did last weekend. Anthony, what what was wrong with Mark Rick? What what didn't he do? Mark Rick didn't uh, didn't win a championship. That's that's basically the bottom line uh, bottom line deal. I mean, look what teams uh, you know you mentioned some of the teams in the West: Alabama, Auburn, LSU, uh-huh. Florida has done it since uh, what 1995, whatever. It's one national championship. Georgia has not. And that's uh, ultimately the biggest reason I think that Coach Rick was gone because he didn't win a title. And Georgia's not won an SEC championship since 2005. 
when you look at this matchup today, the odds makers think that Tennessee and Georgia, this is going to be a bounce-back game. And I'm not saying that Georgia's going to win, but I think it's mm-hmm. only three, three-and-a-half points, so they're expecting yeah. to see a better Georgia ball club. Day. What's the running back situation for the second year you guys have been banged up at running back? Well, Nick Chubb is, uh, you know, I know Kirby Smart went on ESPN this morning and said that he's uh, still questionable for the game, but everything we've been told, he's going to be out. So that's going to put the onus on uh, Sony Michelle uh, Jr. He did rush for a thousand dollars last year, and true freshman uh, Brian Heron and uh, Elijah Holyfield, the son of Evander. Those guys will have to step up. Hey, and Anthony, uh, so we were just talking about a little bit ago, uh, trying to judge this Mizzou team. It's a bit hard. Some of the numbers are inflated because of a couple of the cupcake games. Mm-hmm. However, they had a very competitive match with Georgia. Uh, what did w- w- On the other side of that battle, how did you all come out feeling about the Mizzou Tigers? Say what? Say one more time. What? What? So, what, what was your takeaway from the UGA Mizzou game? What does okay. Mizzou do well? Where are their strengths? Right, uh, just, right, right. Yeah, Missouri, I tell you, it all starts with Drew Locke, the quarterback for the Tigers. I mean, uh, I've, you know, I've seen a lot of quarterbacks over the years, but this guy gets the ball away as quick as anybody's ever seen. Like two-second drops, all it takes him to get the ball down the field. They have a great group of receivers. Running game, you know, they're, they're young. They they need, but Drew Locke is a, is a straw that throws that drink. Hey, and, and – uh... When when you look at Georgia, you mentioned the loss to Ole Miss and how it's it's obviously got to be frustrating for fans. But how much leash is provided, given that they did just do a that uh, they Kirby Smart is now in charge as a coaching change. Right. It's not necessarily his players. How much leash are the fans giving him? Uh, well, it just depends on who you talk to. I mean, there's one group of fan base that, you know, is, is understands that and knows that church, it's going to take a while for Kirby to change the culture, get his own players in. And there's another part of the fan base that says, hey, he's getting paid $3.5 million to win now. And they, they don't like seeing what they consider you know, setting back at the program. They like to, they don't like to see games where the team doesn't show effort, which uh, I guess you could argue was the case against Nichols and Ole Miss. So it just really depends on who you talk to. Anthony, now your take today, Tennessee, Georgia, if Georgia has any hope in the East, one would think they need to bounce back. It wouldn't be doom and gloom if they fail today, but your, your take on this matchup, according, like we said, the Las Vegas, they think it's going to be a tight game. Yeah, I mean, that three-and-a-half-point three uh, you know, margin, I guess, surprised me a little bit, but Georgia you know, just has to, has to play smart football. Get off to a good start. Make, do the fundamental thing. Tackle it. You got a, got a chance to make a play. Make a play. Don't drop passes. Last week, Georgia had seven drops. They had like five against Missouri. It's been a real issue so far. And, and put Jacob Beach in position to, to make plays. Have to get success on first down. Last week, I don't know how many, you know, you know first and 15, you know, second nine, second eight, Georgia had last year. Really could put Jacob behind the eight ball. And that's all they've got to do a much better job this week. If they can, then they've got a shot to win this game. Anthony, how can people keep up, keep up with you on social media? They can find me on uh, Anthony Dasher one and on our website, UGAsports.com. Anthony Dasher covering the day, the Georgia and Tennessee game. That's a 2.30 CBS game, the prime game in the SEC this week. Anthony, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. See you, guys. All right, boy, and you look in the east there, T-Baba. Again, I guess it's still too early because when you get into conference play, then we'll find out a little more. Still the unknown there, but that's one that we really we've seen uh, one really good half of football out of Tennessee. And other than that, I, I mean, I don't much know. Now, if they can go on the road and win the day, and I think anytime you go into NCC and win on the road, especially in one of these big stadiums, a hostile environment like Georgia, yeah, that's a plus. I don't care where Georgia is in their program. To me, that's a plus. But they, they, they also looking for some consistency. I mean, other than two really good quarters of football, we don't know how good Tennessee is. No, and 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 I, I why the Georgia game is a bit worrying. I know a lot of people are using the Ole Miss loss as reason to why Tennessee should not be worried, but I kind of see it the opposite, right? I mean, when you get blown out that badly 
when you get embarrassed on that stage, uh, that can have a way of rallying the troops and bringing guys together and making them more motivated for the next week. So Tennessee has to be careful. But, Deke, even though you haven't seen the consistent performance, at the end of the day, they've kept, they've continued to win. Right. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, whatever it's been, whatever the situation has been, they've continued to win. And that's what makes you relevant. And Deke, think about how teams can grow. And I'm not saying that this is going to happen at Tennessee, but the Cam Newton Auburn National Championship oh, team. Man. Think about how many close games they barely escaped with skin of their teeth they, against not that good of teams at the beginning. Their coming out of the year. party was against Kentucky when they were down two yep. scores in the fourth quarter, and that that's when they got on the road. And doesn't that feel a bit oh, like yeah. Tennessee last week against Florida, kind you, of throwing off in because think about it, at halftime of that game, all the narratives floating in the air were all working. Oh against yeah, it's them. like this is it for Butch Jones. It was over. Everything. Oh yeah, it, it was. He would have been. He would have been in the same situation as Gus Less were at the end of that game and, had it been the same. And so to be faced with that adversity I and agree. have thirty minutes left to change it and come out and do it, yeah. I'm gonna look, I'm gonna keep giving this oh, yeah. Tennessee and, team credit and I think they beat Georgia today. And to your point, you'd you'd much rather be a team in increments gets a little bit better each yes. week of the season than have a great performance and then maybe okay, we didn't regress but we didn't progress. Look, a little step forward each week. As long as you don't slip up and they've avoided the major slip up, like whatever gas they've had, yeah. they still haven't lost. And nobody remembers. Nobody at all remembers how they beat App State the beginning no, of the first no, season. No, it doesn't matter because they, they beat Florida undefeated. last week. That's right. Coming back, we'll get you a preview on state college football here on WWL. It's seemingly every year in every conference there's always that one team that comes out that was not projected to be uh, as good or as bad as they were. And right now in the SEC, it has to be the Texas A&M Aggies that are number nine in the country at South Carolina, who is two and two on the first-year coach. Will Muschamp joining us now is Mark Passwater is talking about Aggie football. Mark, big, big stretch of the schedule for Texas A&M here right now when you talk about what they have, what they just come off a big victory over Arkansas. And now anytime you go on the road, you have to you have to keep your guard up because this is the SEC. But is this team a little bit ahead, or are they a surprise of where you thought they would be before the season began? Uh, maybe a little bit ahead of where I thought. Um, honestly, if you took a look at the, the depth chart coming in, you knew that they were an experienced team. They had some depth. Uh, the big questions were, what are you going to get out of your linebackers? What are you going to get out of your offensive line? And what are you going to get out of Trevor Knight? And so far, the answers have been, you know, all very good. You know, Knight hasn't made a lot of mistakes. He's been judicious with the ball, uh, even if he hasn't had a high completion percentage. Linebackers have been excellent. And the offensive line is, you know, led the Aggies to be the number one rushing team in the SEC at this point. So, you know, if you, if you look at all those questions, they've been answered well for the first four weeks. Yeah, and uh, so, look, John Chavis, obviously defensive coordinator at A&M now, uh, was at LSU for many years, and the entire time he was at LSU, I think I'm not alone in saying that many Tiger fans kind of dreamed what it could be like if you Chavis, if, if you paired Chavis up with an explosive offense. And, uh, well, I mean, is that what we're seeing right now? Like, is the dream of Chavis with a great offense finally being realized? Uh, I think you're well on the way. Uh, you know, certainly – the, off, the, the offense is much improved from last year. Uh, Noel Mazzoni deserves an awful lot of credit for what he's done, bringing balance, tempo, and all those things back to the the offense. But the defense is significantly improved, uh, especially against the run. Last year, you'll recall, you know, Auburn, LSU, uh, all those guys in the West ran for big, big yards. And the the real asset test has been the last couple of weeks. They went to Auburn and they played Arkansas, two teams that ran for a whole lot of yards against them last year. And A&M didn't shut Auburn down, but limited them. 
And they flat out did shut down Arkansas. They held them to three yards of carry on 40 carries. You don't win a lot of football games that way. So, uh, yeah. you know, if, they, if the secondary holds up and improves a little bit, then this can be a very dangerous football team. With Mark Passwater talking about Texas A&M, this is a tough stretch for Texas A&M. Or beat Arkansas last week in uh, Dallas, 45-24 at South Carolina this week. Taking on Tennessee in uh, Aggieland next week. Then they'll travel to Alabama uh, on the 22nd. Then they have a New Mexico State. And then at the end of the season, November's pretty tough with games against Ole Miss and LSU at home. But, you know, it's a strong possibility, I think, when you look at what A&M has uh, looking right now, Mark, maybe only one loss uh, when, LSU, when LSU and Ole Miss show up on that schedule when they make that November push, and that would certainly keep A&M in the top ten. Oh, yeah, I think there's a distinct possibility of that. If they come out and they play their best their best football, or basically if they just play the way they have the last two weeks, they have a very good chance of beating Tennessee. And then you go into Tuscaloosa at potentially 6-0. and You know, that sets up a very interesting matchup. Obviously, Ole Miss is going to be tough with that passing game. And, uh, you know, Thanksgiving with LSU is, is never a, a fun occasion. They're always tough. So, uh, you know, the opportunities are there for the Aggies. It's, it's a strange year in the SEC. So it'll be interesting to see if they can take advantage. Mark, how can people keep up with you on social media? Uh, well, our website's AggieYell.com, and my uh, Twitter is at MBPRivals. Mark Passwater is breaking down Texas A&M and South Carolina A&M and the LSU Tigers play uh, Thanksgiving night in uh, Texas A&M College Station. Mark, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. You bet. Take care, guys. All right, boy. All right, you know, T-Bob, as much as there is, and look, everybody likes to talk and so forth, but it's the way this schedule is setting up for LSU, and you and I talked about this earlier this week, and the way things are taking place on the West Coast with USC. Mm-hmm. Three years ago this Monday, when Ed Ogeron was announced as interim coach at LSU. Three years ago, he was announced as interim coach at Southern California. Yep. He took that team and went 6-2 and two in eight games. To me, kind of revamping, and I don't say alleviating, but prove that, you know what, I'm better than what I showed at Ole Miss. Yes. I'm much better. Yeah. I've learned more, and the man's admitted it and so forth. But the way this schedule is setting up, T-Bob, I'm talking about it is the perfect storm to have more feathers in his cap because when he took, on, when he took at that USC schedule – he had four matchups in the top 25. Notre Dame later became a close to the top 10. UCLA went on and won the conference that year, but he beat number three Stanford, and he wound up losing to Notre Dame and wound up losing a closer to Notre Dame in South Bend and a pretty sizable game to UCLA. But when you look at what he has here, he wins these next three games and gets to Ole Miss mm-hmm. with no losses more than they have. Ole Miss will probably be a top 15 team, if not higher. And on the back end, A&M is going to be 10 or better when LSU faces them. Alabama could be number one. I mean, and who knows where Arkansas is going to be. You He's going to have everything, yeah, everything in front of him to say, you know what, okay, who would you rather have? And it's going to be, he, let me tell you, he's going to build up some serious support. We all know in that, in that stadium right behind me, if he beats Ole Miss in Alabama, he's going to have a lot of Louisianans in his corner. It, it's like we always talk about when you talk about playing in the SEC. Yes, the schedule's incredibly challenging because of the gauntlet, but at the same time, because it's so challenging, if you do your job, if you are successful, no one can keep you out of the college football playoff, right? You, you'll get to go wherever you want. Well, if Coach O can be successful with this incredibly challenging schedule, then he might get that long-term opportunity. All right, much more to go here on WWL. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.